Hello and welcome to Special Issue, Wiley's podcast for societies about all things scholarly publishing. I'm Anna Ayler. In this episode, we'll listen in on the conversation at our recent virtual session for society publishers, preprints, publishing, and a pandemic, an evolving story. We'll hear from Wiley product manager Kate Perry and Alberto Pepe, Senior Director of Strategy and Innovation Management at Adapon, on the benefits of preprints. The session was moderated by Wiley's Director of Research Integrity, Chris Graff. Maybe you're wondering what a preprint is and what all the fuss is about, or you're curious how people can distinguish preprints from peer-reviewed research. We'll break all that down, as well as the role preprints have played in the communication of research during the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's listen in. Hello, everybody. My name's Chris Graff. I'm the Director of Research Integrity here at Wiley. We're here today to talk about the evolving role of preprints in research communication. And we're really looking forward to the presentations from our two fabulous speakers. So I'm delighted to welcome our excellent colleague, Kate Perry, who's our first speaker for today. Hi, Kate. Kate has been with Wiley for uh, more than a decade. And in that time, she's also worked in editorial roles across life and health sciences, both in scholarly and research, and also in higher education publishing. And in her current role, uh, Kate helps lead initiatives at Wiley that support preprints, the kind of things we're going to talk about today. Uh, and data sharing, as well as authoring and content platforms and tools. Hello, everyone. Uh, I wanted to do a, a sort of quick level set, uh, since I expect not everyone attending is familiar with preprinting and preprints. Um, a preprint is a version of a manuscript that's been shared publicly uh, prior to formal peer review or publication and uh, in a journal. And preprints are early research outputs and really have always been intended as a vehicle for discussion. The, the thing that I really also want to stress is that it's important not to think of preprints as a new content type, but rather as a stage in the research publication life cycle. So, so why do we care about preprints? Researchers love preprints, and um, for a lot of researchers, preprints are awesome because they save time, they can provide preliminary feedback on those early research outputs, they let researchers share negative results, they can foster a more open research culture, they protect against scooping um, by establishing priority, and they allow researchers, especially early career researchers, to show their latest work for grant, uh, hiring, um, and tenure committees, as well as providing them with opportunities to build collaborations and potentially uh, even get increased attention and citations. So there's there's a lot of reasons why. The number of preprints that are being posted annually has been growing exponentially. and. This, this tells us a little something about how fast research and research publishing are evolving and about how increasingly comfortable researchers are becoming with new open research um, practices where they're finding value. Of course, preprints have actually been a tradition for decades um, in disciplines like physics and mathematics, which established the community preprint server archive um, in the early 1990s. But other communities have been a lot slower to embrace preprints. Um, they really didn't start gaining momentum in the life sciences until the launch of BioArchive in 2013. Um, preprints are now actually growing many times faster than the number of journal articles that are being published. And of course, those have been growing as well, but at a steady, slower rate of about 4% over the last decade. So it's important to put this in a larger context as well. 
Um, preprints still only represent a small percentage of the articles published every year. It's, it's about um, 3% in the life sciences, um, biomedical life sciences, for example. But while those numbers are small, that um, for the moment, that was really before publishers started uh, integrating preprints into their workflows and before the unprecedented changes that have been brought in by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so the question is, is, is preprinting a short-term solution to this global crisis or has something really sort of fundamentally changed? Preprinting was already well on the rise in 2016 during the recent Ebola and Zika epidemics. Um, but there was an interesting 2018 study that looked at preprinting practices at the time of those outbreaks and found that despite the, the advantages of preprints and the endorsement of journals and particularly funders at, in the context of those outbreaks, less than 5% of the journal articles were posted as preprints um, during those epidemics. They also found that um, most of those preprints that were posted were available more than 100 days uh, before publication. So preprinting did significantly accelerate the dissemination of those scientific findings um, and, and drive response to those outbreaks when it was done. And now flash forward to just a few years later and the early rapid dissemination that preprints provide has been at the forefront uh, of this pandemic at a time when uh, you know every day means literally uh, more lives lost. The research world has really moved faster than, than many would have suspected possible, producing just a, an absolutely staggering level of research output. Um, there was actually a recently released report how COVID-19 is changing research culture from digital science that reported that as of the 1st of June, there have been upwards of 42,703 scholarly articles, um, over 3,000 clinical trials, over 400 data sets, over 200 patents, over 700 policy documents, and over 156 grants all issued around COVID-19. And, and preprints in particular were rapidly established as a key part of the COVID-19 research efforts. At the beginning of May, preprints actually accounted for more than a quarter of research output. There were more than 350 preprints being posted per day and actually more than 1,000 per week being posted since the beginning of April. And what we're seeing uh, around these particular COVID preprints is that they're seeing much higher levels of usage, citation, media attention, commentary, and open peer review than, than other non-COVID preprints. So we're seeing quite a lot of changes to scholarly communication as a result of this pandemic. Um, new relationships between preprint servers and the medical sciences in particular, which is a community that historically had been slower to embrace preprinting and quite uncomfortable perhaps. Uh, we're seeing experiments with new and open models of peer review, both around preprints and journals. We're seeing um, major changes in funding allocations, many of which um, contain preprinting mandates, new applications of AI in research, uh, exciting new global models of collaboration and coordination that are emerging from the research world, and uh, all of this, uh, an increasing trend towards open research. Um, it's important to note also that the journals and research communities have also responded with unprecedented and, and most likely <laughs> very unsustainable levels of rapid peer review and publication. And perhaps the, the rise that we're now seeing in the adoption of preprinting might actually help alleviate some of the pressures that are on this you know, very already overstrained system of um, peer review moving forward. So the other thing that this explosion of preprints and on COVID-19 research has um, spurred is a lot of debate around the need for 
fast versus sure or the, the sort of inherent tensions between rapid dissemination and the rigorous quality control that's necessary for uh, peer review, for proper peer review. Much of that debate's actually occurring on Twitter, um, popular science blogs, and in the lay media. And there have been some very high profile retractions and withdrawals on preprint servers and in peer reviewed publications um, like the Santa Clara seroprevalence and the hydroxychloroquine study capers, which you might have been familiar with. Um, some of the concerns that have been expressed around this uh, preprint infodemic, if you will, range from the spread of misinformation to fears about sort of the, the complete undermining of public trust in, in science. And it, it's, it's true, preprints open the box on science and science is messy. Um, and in the context of a plague, uh, preprints are now receiving a sort of significant amount of global attention. And, and, and there's actually some preliminary peer reviewed I'll note research that shows that because of the speed of their release, preprints rather than the peer reviewed literature um, in that same topic area might be driving the discourse related to the ongoing COVID-19 outbreak. Um, so all of this is, you know, science at hyperspeed where uh, it immediately makes its way into the public discourse and impacts public health policy, which, which makes it all very high stakes. Um, I am pro preprint, of course, and, and my, my belief is that preprints really pose no more risk um, to the public than peer reviewed articles. As we unfortunately know, there are many cases of bad science making it through uh, poor or incomplete peer review. So I think the, the important piece of context is that for all of the breaking research on COVID, you know, both preprint and peer reviewed, we need to remember how much of it will turn out to be unreliable or even wrong as the science continues to build on itself over time. That said, preprints do need to be carefully caveated. And what we really need is to raise the, the media public's understanding of what a preprint is and is not and what peer review is and does. So Wiley uh, strongly supports the early and open sharing preprints with publication, uh, submission to a journal, I should say, sorry. And actually, uh, Already 85% of the journals that Wiley publishes consider publishing manuscripts that have been submitted to a preprint server. Uh, late last year, we updated our preprint policy to more fully support researchers who want a preprint. And the, the Wiley policy recommendation is really that journals should welcome submission of preprints irrespective of where they've been posted. We're also investing in the development of a journal integrated preprint service that leverages the Authoria platform and integrates directly into existing journal workflows. Other publishers are undertaking similar initiatives as well. You might have seen the recent Scholarly Kitchen blog outlining the various ways in which publishers are engaging with preprints and increasingly building them into their workflows. So the, we think preprints work better with publishers and with journals involved and that preprints will continue to complement traditional journal publishing, adding speed, openness, and faster feedback for researchers. There's nothing today preventing an author from sharing their work on, on any existent preprint server, um, but what this mm. is doing is directly folding that in so that they don't have to go to a separate platform, make a separate submission. Um, and by coupling and tying that with the submission, we're really adding a lot of value to the preprints that are posted themselves with through that dynamic peer review timeline um, and all of the associations there. So so we view this as, as a significant enhancement to some of the preprints that are otherwise, you know, many times just mm -hmm. static flat PDFs. And just to wrap up real quickly with a note on how uh, our pilot is going, 
I would say that the, the pandemic actually really pushed Wiley uh, to scale this up faster than we had planned. We had initially selected 20 journals to participate in the pilot and then fast-tracked an additional 17, um, mostly health science journals that were publishing a large volume of COVID-19 related content and eager to disseminate that as rapidly as possible. And over the past three months, we've seen a, a steady rise in the rate of authors opting into the service. It was initially hovering around 30 and it's now raised up to about 44%, which is higher of, than we projected. And, and I attributed this increase largely to the influx of the COVID-19 content and researchers um, seeking to preprint that. While we didn't foresee COVID-19 when we launched this service, it seems very likely that the pandemic has accelerated the adoption of preprints, you know, maybe past a tipping point, if you will, and established them as a standard part of scholarly communications in ways that we don't anticipate will slow down whenever there is a return to normal, if you will. Thank you so much. Kate, that was really, really great. You set the scene there for us with the history and also the relevance of preprints, especially right now. Um, Alberto, it's your go. Alberto has uh, degrees in astrophysics, in information systems, and in computer science from Harvard, from UCLA, and from UCL in London. Um, before starting his PhD, Alberto worked in the information technology department at CERN in Geneva, in Switzerland, where he developed digital library tools and promoted open access and reproducible research among particle physicists. Uh, a few years ago in 2013, Alberto co-founded a company called Authoria, which is a collaborative publishing platform for open research. And he joined the wider Wiley family of companies in 2018 when Atipon acquired Authoria. In his current role, Alberto focuses on strategy and innovation around open research publishing. And it's great to have you with us, Alberto. Thanks for being here. <laughs> thank you so much, Chris, and thank you, Kate. Um, so I'm with Aripon, and I work on product strategy and innovation. And I spent the last few years really focusing on uh, finding ways to accelerate uh, research dissemination. And as Chris mentioned, I also am very much interested in making uh, research more open, transparent, and reproducible. Alberto began his talk explaining how simple it really is for an author to submit a preprint. The Under Review service is integrated with Scholar One, so we're able to pull content from Scholar One and push that to the Authoria preprint server. The workflow is also really simple. Authors choose to opt in and then go through a standard checklist to complete their preprint. When it passes, the preprint is made live and receives its own DOI. Of course, it also receives its own disclaimer, making sure readers know that this is a preprint, not a peer-reviewed article. I should mention that in addition to making um, a preprint, we also create collections and we group together all of the documents that have been accepted and published as well as the ones that are under review at the journal uh, so that they all become part of the same collection. And you can think of this as an sort of automated uh, mini preprint server for the journal so that uh, it sort of like opens up really the their pipeline of documents that they have under review, as well as like then creating a repository of all the documents that were accepted, which also have a preprint associated with them. Uh, in addition to the individual journal collections, we also create a, a Wiley collection, which is the Wiley Open Research, which groups together all of the participating journals so that we get to showcase, once again, this is a mini 
preprint server for all of the Wiley research that is currently under review or that was uh, published through the under review uh, initiative. We can also create special collections and it groups together all of the submissions that we get either through under review or also the direct submissions that are about COVID-19. Uh, we now have, I think, closer to 700 COVID-19 uh, preprints. Uh, I should also mention that, as you can see, the disclaimer for certain specific collections, like the COVID one, um, is a little different. It's a medical type of uh, disclaimer that adds a little bit more information around how journalists should uh, engage with this content. And we really make it clear that these are preprints and uh, they have not undergone peer review. To finish up, I'm gonna uh, just discuss a couple of uh, uh, case studies um, that are really relevant to the, uh, to the discussion here. And um, what happened is that right after making a preprint, so after opting into the under uh, service, the researcher he received an email from Authoria saying like, hi, thank you for participating in the in the service, uh, we made a preprint for you. Here's the DOI, here's the link. And she immediately tweeted about it. It received a, a pretty uh, strong reaction and a lot of uh, response on Twitter. 583 retweets, uh, a lot of likes, and a lot of discussion, a lot of very healthy conversation. Um, the preprint itself actually ended up uh, shaping UK's uh, policy around use of masks in public. So I um, I think this is a very interesting case in which the um, a preprint is allowing you know to open up as Kate said open up the the box of peer review the black box of peer review and allow uh, not just the reviewers and the editors to see content but also the public and sort of like stir up a, a level of discussion and conversation that we think is very valuable and healthy. Uh, the second case I'm gonna uh, cover is about um, a physician at the Nationwide uh, Kids Hospital. Um, he talks specifically about the speed, the, the speed component, and the fact that um, it's a new record for him and for them to enable a seven-day lag from the moment that the document was um, started to the moment that it was accepted and posted in a, in a public server. So the other interesting here uh, thing here is that the fact that uh, the peer review timeline is showcasing publicly in a very public way, all of the, um, uh, all of the sort of timeline and the, the peer review process, it's also in a way speeding up the process by which the editor and the reviewers want to like be perceived and uh, this is a good thing. It's of course like speeding up uh, the process of reviewing. And we think that it's also speeding up science in a way, because what we're seeing is that a lot of the preprints that we're generating through under review are actually being cited. And by being cited, it means that science is also moving faster because it's actually, uh, we're, it, this is enabling to, um, to showcase and disseminate research findings in ways that uh, were not possible before. Um, so as I said, uh, this in a way opens up the black box of peer review, making research more accessible um, uh, at the moment, the moment it's submitted to a journal. Preprints are also getting cited, which means that science is moving faster. And we see this as really, uh, you know, we see preprints as an opportunity, not as a, a challenge. 
especially when we conceive them as a stage in the publication lifecycle. Uh, finally, I didn't talk much about this, but there's also an interesting component of whether it's using Twitter or other commenting system of enabling some level of community engagement. And we feel that maybe those comments and annotations and conversations coming from the public can provide as a, as a useful um, um, component to enrich the peer review process. Sharing research findings early and fast is a good thing. And uh, overall, I think preprint uh, preprinting is here to stay, and it's it's overall a good thing. What I would say is that um, I feel that preprinting is better when done with uh, uh, when publishers are involved because they bring a level of sustainability and long term, um, uh, not necessarily like a business model into it because that's that's a hard different question. But they do bring a level of a uh, platform sustainability and content preservation, which I think is a good thing. Uh, in a way. Preprints are already mainstream, and Wally is already embracing them in every possible way. See this as a potential um, experimental testbed to try and do new things and to really play with the tweaking and improving the way that we uh, do and publish uh, research. So, if anything, I'm very happy that you know the one of the uh, one of the uh, advantage the possibly the only benefit of the pandemic in you know within publishing is the fact that we're seeing a strong uh, um, just proliferation of preprints and I think that it's just going to uh, create and push us to uh, change the publishing infrastructure and ecosystem in I think in the right direction to make it faster and more open and more reproducible. Thank you. Alberto, so um, you know, I'll allow myself as the chair of this conversation to answer the question as well. When will preprint preprinting be mainstreamed by Wiley? Well, the question, the answer to me lies in when when are your communities ready to do it? Right? We're not going to make anybody do this. We're going to retain it as a choice for authors. And so it's really all about um, the members of your communities, our communities, and how much they want to embrace preprint. Saving time for researchers is a huge part of why preprints are so valuable and why they're on the rise. But as we've learned today, there are many other benefits to embracing this practice in your communities and treating preprinting simply as a stage in the publication life cycle. It's important that we don't lose sight of the fact that preprints are not peer-reviewed articles, but they definitely help science build on itself over time. Isn't that the beauty of science anyway? That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. For Wiley, I'm Anna Ayler, and you can find more episodes and learn when new episodes are released by subscribing in iTunes or wherever you like to listen. You can get more news and information on society publishing from Wiley on Twitter by following us at Wiley in Research and on our website, wiley.com slash network slash society leaders. Our theme music was produced by Medine, and this episode was edited by Dennis Velasco. Thanks for listening.